Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's a little bit after 1 o'clock on the west coast of the United States, a bit after 4 in the eastern time zones, and it's time for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, live on the Internet and by telephone. Today is the 18th day of October 2009, in case you're listening to a podcast or a replay sometime in the future, in the yet-to-be, hello from your past. Nice to be with you today. We're going to talk in the Mystery School today about the business side of personal development. And um, there has to be a business side. Um, You can run your business pretty much any way you'd like, but if you are a counselor or a a therapist, a psychotherapist, a social worker, uh, a life coach, a healer, uh, a masseuse, uh, a a Reiki expert, whatever. Um, It's one thing to know the business, uh, to be good at what you do, but it's another thing entirely to be successful in the business side. Um, This is something called often the e-myth or entrepreneur's myth. There was a book published by a Michael Gerber in 1985 that was real popular and, and remains rather popular called the e-myth about the fact that, as I said in the newsletter this week, uh, you might be um, a very good uh, baker and you bake the best bread and Danish and sweet rolls and muffins for miles around, and yet your business continues to fail. Or what did I say in the newsletter? You could be the best auto mechanic in the county, and yet you're destined to always work for somebody else because you just don't know how to get your business up and running. So what the e-myth was about, or what it's, you know, still about 20 years later, is the idea that there are many, many skilled technicians, uh, women and men a lot like you, who are very good at what they do, but they just don't have the business savvy, or they don't know where to get it, or how to find out about setting up a business, getting an office, Do I get liability insurance? Do I need to license my business? Do I need permits? And where do I get the forms and all of this? So I'm going to do, admittedly, a cursory overview today, but I think you're going to find some very valuable nuggets if you're looking to set up a business or to finally lift your business from uh, a place where it's struggling month to month to really growing and prospering all concerned remember the whole idea of of business at least from my point of view is to prosper your customers that you might prosper yourself it's about giving that you might receive Um, as a matter of fact the upcoming premium audio program that I do with my partner Steve Snyder every week, the Finding Yourself in Paradise series at FocusedPassion.com, 
this coming week we're doing a program on prosperity, and we'll touch on similar issues, actually, in prosperity consciousness. There's a lot of these money mystics and get-rich gurus out there, and the way you can always spot a phony, a fraud, or a huckster is that it's all about you, making you rich, making you a lot of money, usually with little or no effort. There are serious, uh, valid principles of prosperity consciousness, however, and they begin with, what can I do for other people? What can I do for my customer, my client? How can I help the community? And that's where we have to begin always when we think of business, especially in this field. But I, I would say any kind of business. And it's also a good way, as I've indicated, to spot the frauds. Because these get-rich-quick guys, um, they never talk about what you can do for others, only what's in it for you. That's a great way to spot them. And I'm concerned about it. As the economy turns south, uh, there's more and more of these hucksters out there. Uh, you probably heard in the news about this fellow from uh, Southern California, James Arthur Ray. Was that his name? Is that his name? Uh, he did a prosperity sweat lodge, which is a sacred Native American Indian ceremony. I don't know what, what this white guy is doing, giving these sweat lodges when he obviously has not been trained in how to do it. Part of a $9,000 five-day experience in Sedona, Arizona, and three people have died so far. Uh, initially, the reports were two died and 19 were injured. Well, one of those injured people were, was so critical that they died last night. So the death toll is up to three and uh, I don't suppose they're going to get their $9,000 rebated, right? So there's no shortage of these clowns out there. And it's very sad in desperate times to think that they could be taking people's hard-earned money um, to sell them a lot of hype. And, again, one way you can distinguish uh, between legitimate prosperity teachers and those hucksters is do you lead with what can I do for others? You've got to give to receive. You've got to plant if you're going to harvest. It's all about giving away what it is that you want to receive in return. So you prosper other people. You benefit your customers and clients, and you receive reward back. Sounds simple enough, but... If your primary reason for being in business is not to make money but help other people, you're likely to do both, help other people and make money. If your primary reason to be in business is to make money, you're less likely to help other people, and you'll probably screw up the money side too. So let's get our priorities straight. We're in the field because it feels good to help other people, to, to teach them skills, to heal themselves physically, to heal themselves emotionally, and to be better at thinking critically and solving their problems and whatever your particular approach to personal and spiritual development. That's my appeal to you. 
at the top of the class here today. And uh, that's what's meant by the e-myth or the entrepreneurial myth. Just because you're a skilled technician doesn't mean that you know how to do business. The vast majority of what I'm going to share with you today I learned from 35 years self-employed in the business as a hypnotherapist and a NLP practitioner. But this applies to psychotherapists as well as hypnotherapists, as I said earlier, to uh, social workers and um, Reiki experts and uh, chiropractors and uh, I was going to say medical doctors, but they take lots of classes in med school about how to run a business. So uh, You can watch your local doctor and your local dentist as well and see how they schedule you, how they handle patients and uh, patient load. Uh, we're all customers. That's the common word. Maybe you call your customers patients. Maybe to you they're clients. Uh, customer is the generic word, and you want to please the customer first. All businesses should be driven by the customer, right? So let's keep that in mind. I've got a lot of material here. I've got 39 bullet points that I want to run down, and I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it in the next 45 minutes, but I'm sure going to try. And uh, we'll just see. Uh, how it goes. I haven't done this presentation in a few years, so I'm not sure how long it'll take. But The first thing I think you need to keep in mind is the importance of your own confidence level, your self-esteem, and your belief in yourself. Keep in mind that it's likely you have something that everybody needs and few people ever find. All right? If you keep that in mind, it will help you to get through the droughts, uh, the slow times that will happen, um, or the shortage of clients that you may be experiencing even now. Uh, that can be demoralizing and depressing. And you look around and, and you think, my goodness, I've got so much to offer and so many people need what I have to offer if you repeat that to yourself at the beginning of every work day, and remind yourself, wait a minute, I'm not selling snake oil here, right? I'm not selling some product that's going to pollute the environment or promote injustice and inequality. I'm helping people to be smarter, uh, more emotionally stable, uh, stronger and healthier, and to live longer, more vital, productive lives. Uh, that's a wonderful commitment. Keep yourself oriented. You've got something that everybody needs that few people ever find, particularly in this field of personal and spiritual development. Now, I think we need some sort of hook or slogan in the news business most of you know I did news for 25 years uh, until the late 1980s, and then even, well, even today, I still think of myself as a broadcaster, print journalist, a blogger, whatever. I stay pretty well informed. And in journalism, you're always looking for a hook. You're looking for a different angle. Uh, 
or well, like a, I think of a hook, um, some place to hang your hat, you know, uh, a hook on the back of the door where you can hang your jacket, and a, a news story needs a hook, and it's likely that your business needs a hook. In other words, um, an elevator speech. Can you, in 20 to 30 seconds, say what it is that you do? If not, and you can practice this with uh, your spouse or with some friends, um, as if you just walked up on them and hi and nod at somebody. And of course, you don't just start talking about yourself. The secret is to, again, give before you receive. So you ask somebody, uh, you know, what what is it that you do, and um, then. Uh, after they talk about themselves for a while, there's an opening for you to do the same thing. I collect business cards before I give business cards. I only give business cards when I'm asked. My job, I see it in business, is to collect business cards. And I bring them home and I put them in a contact database that I have on my computer, and then I send a greeting card to that person saying it was nice to meet you in the elevator the other day or at that uh, Rotary luncheon or that Kiwanis Club meeting or at the Chamber Mixer, uh, Chamber of Commerce, it was nice to meet you and I hope we could uh, uh, see each other again in the future. You don't really refer to business. You don't ask for business. You just create a contact by accepting their card, even if you don't pass yours out. Take it home, record the address and the other pertinent information in the, a contact database like Goldmine or ACT or even your Outlook database and send them a card. There are some very elegant ways to do that. I use a, an online system, uh, a website where I can send beautiful greeting cards for pennies. and They actually do it for me. And... Um, I'd be happy to tell you about that if you're ever interested. Um, we could do a show on that, or you could just, again, contact me by email. I don't want to do a commercial for that service right now. But if you're interested in how to do that, we called it appreciation marketing, marketing through gratitude, through thoughtfulness, and uh, a heartfelt uh, interest in your customer uh, or your client. So... What would be a good hook? You're going to have to find that elevator speech of two or three sentences that really nails it and work that program, work it, practice it, hone it. Um, a couple that I used to use that I have noted here on my, on my uh, bullet point list from my practice, one that I liked was self-improvement is the only investment guaranteed to return benefits for the rest of your life. There's even a nice little pun in there. I, I always like the rest of your life. Uh, imagine an investment guaranteed to return benefits forever. That's, that's a nice little hook, and it got me a lot of business. There's a wonderful uh, Henry Ford quote that I used to use, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. I would work that into speeches or presentations often at the beginning to create a little confusion 
if you're into NLP, you know that that's a highly suggestible state where you use a paradox to confound people just long enough to open their minds to what it is that you're saying. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're absolutely right. What do you think? (laughs) You know, you can learn a lot about a person by the way they answer that. Most people think they can't. Um, But, of course, the nature of life as a self-fulfilling prophecy really requires that you not only believe you can, but know that you can. Remember that Napoleon Hill quote. Uh, If you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. Sometimes people just use two of the three, and they say, well, if you can conceive it, you can achieve it. Or they'll say, if you believe it, you can achieve it. It's all three. It's mental, emotional, and physical. If you can conceive it, conceptualize it in your mind, and believe it, there's the emotional part, the faith, then you can achieve it. And that's the physical outcome or result. Get all three parts, mental, emotional, and physical, and say it about yourself. If I can conceive it and believe it, then by golly, I can achieve it. I can do it. That can-do attitude uh, will take you a long way. Another hook that I liked a lot was, until you discover the truth about your genuine identity, you'll never be content or find yourself and lose your misery. Those kinds of sayings. You want to create a reputation for yourself and something as specific as possible. So I'm not just another hypnotherapist. I'm not just another mental health counselor. I'm not just your run-of-the-mill social worker. I have a specialty. I have expertise. You may have several specialties, as it turns out, or several areas where you have expertise. But create some focus. Put a bullseye on your target, right? A line that I used to use, and a cynic would laugh, but I, I always meant it sincerely, is I would say to my clients, usually in the very first meeting, I think you've come to exactly the right place, right? Tell them, I can. I, mean, I wouldn't lie to them if I thought I could not help them. If somebody came to me, for example, with a psychosis, you know, they're severely neurotic or psychotic, I would say, I don't think I can help you. This is outside of my field. Truth is, I didn't want to work with those kinds of people, I'm not skilled to work with. I I just always worked with anxiety disorders. And um, so I would say to them, I I don't think that I can help you with this, but I'll refer you to somebody who can. That's the best you can do if somebody approaches you that's not quite right for you. But if they have chosen well and you want the business and you think you can do a good job for them, tell them that right up front. I I think you've come to exactly the right place. I I can help you with this, right? I can help you with this. You have to ask people what they want. And that's another thing. Be positive. In your initial intake sessions, you don't want to say things like, what's your problem, right, or what's wrong, or what needs to be fixed. You want to stay as positive as possible which is, uh, how can I help you, 
or what kind of solution are you looking for? What kind of benefit are you looking for that you think I might be able to help you with? Frame it in a, a positive way. Okay. When it comes to this kind of framing or reframing, uh, creating a perception of yourself, uh, developing a reputation, an image, or even a brand. Keep in mind one of the first rules of psychology, which is that perception is reality. You may find some empiricist someplace who wants to argue that there really is some objective quality to reality. Let them have the argument. I think both things are true. It's pretty easy to argue that reality has some objective quality, but I think the most inflexible thinker will, in in most cases, accept that there certainly is a reality to perception. And in psychology, this is preeminent, that perception is reality, and reality is perception, And as long as you're in your integrity, and I highlight that, bold-face it, italicize it, and underline it, be in your integrity. It makes everything so much easier, right? And say, I think I can help you with this, and this is what we're going to do, because they want to have confidence in you. You already have a one-up position. The fact that they have come to you for help, the fact that they're willing to pay you money for your services, even if the first session is free, which I think is a great idea, free intros or a free telephone intake session, I think that's a great idea. But nevertheless, they know the second session and the third session are going to cost some money. In fact, let me do a little... Let me diverge a little bit and talk about this whole idea of taking money also for personal and what is often spiritual development. Because if you're in a position to do what you do for free, well, that's fine. And I think each of us in this business has a responsibility to do some pro bono work, some work for free. Excuse me. The difference between radio and a webinar is I get to stop and drink my coffee in the webinar, so forgive me. It's morning here in Hawaii. It's morning in America. Um, and so, what was I talking about now? See, I'll have to. I'll have to remember in a minute. I distracted myself, not with a coffee, but with talking about the coffee. Uh, Perception is reality is where I left off, and then I wanted to do a little tangent. I'll think of it in a minute. Maybe one of you can type it in the uh, field on the web uh, page in front of you, and that can help me remember. You know what I was about to say. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about setting up a uh, stationery and and a business logo, for example, to help you create the image and the branding and the reputation. If you're 
haphazard and casual in this area, your clients and customers are going to assume that you're haphazard and casual in all areas. So it's important to be professional and to be clear with the forms that you provide people, the literature that you provide people, who you are, exactly what you do, and do it in a professional way. Uh, spend a few dollars to have some nice-looking business cards done, um, to have uh, a decent three-fold brochure or a one-sheet uh, printed up. Um, again, if you're just starting your business or you're trying to get out of a struggling mode into more prosperity, the idea even of using coupons uh, is not out of the question. And you always want to ask, a happy client, a satisfied client or a customer for a referral, uh, almost as if it's their responsibility. Hey, you benefited. Do you know some other people that might be able to, in a similar way, benefit from this kind of work? Let's just talk about a logo for a minute. A logo is usually a little design uh, for the right brain people that like graphics more than words that we put on our business cards and our letterhead that is attractive and appealing and yet really should say something about what you do and who you are. I think the most important thing I can say to you about the nature of a logo is try to choose one or design one that says something about what you do without any words involved at all. Sometimes logos will just be an artist playing around with a font or um, playing off uh, some uh, the name of your company or the name of your business in some graphically appealing way. But um, to go farther than that and to somehow, even if it's a little bit abstract, to find a graphic design that says, that suggests what it is that you do without any words saying as much, well, that's going to reinforce whatever other words are on your card or whatever else people will think about you. So I think that's an important tip in designing a logo. And in this computer age, nobody's having letterhead or envelopes printed up anymore. Uh, you can do that yourself with, um, uh, well, Microsoft Word, or if you're in the Macintosh world, uh, Pages, or Illustrator, or PageMaker, or some program like that. But most word processors are powerful enough to do a really nice uh, layout that you just then save as um, a template. You could give it a .ltr um, extension instead of your .doc uh, extension, and then you can find it quickly and say, oh, yeah, that's my letterhead, right? And you might have several different letterheads depending on the occasion, but uh, if you do... Um, create some consistency in the letterhead, include the logo, include the slogan 
the meat of your 20- or 30-second elevator speech. Include your mailing address, even if it's a P.O. box, uh, your office address, your telephone number, uh, your fax number, if, if you still have a fax machine, certainly your email uh, and website should all be on there. Um, you've got a header and a footer to work with, and uh, you can drag in all kinds of graphics and play around with it. And when you get it the way you want it, then click Save, and you got a template that you can use over and over again. Same thing for printing envelopes. Um, I think that's important, and again, make it professional. Uh, I do like, I'm going to repeat this, I do like the idea of doing a free intro or even printing coupons and making those available um, if you're just starting or if you're struggling and trying to get your business up and running. Uh, there's nothing unprofessional or nothing embarrassing or shameful about providing people with a free lesson. Uh, or usually the first session in the personal development field is called the intake session, sometimes called an orientation session. Depends a lot on whether you're working physically or whether you're working mentally. Are you a body worker? There might be less intake involved. It really depends. It's really up to you. But you can call that your free session. And really all you're doing is getting the forms filled out and Asking that positive question, how do you think I might be able to help you? What kind of result are you looking for? What kind of benefit would you like to take home from this work? And um, intake and orientation, isn't that a good name? One or the other or both for that very first session. It could be 20 minutes, could be 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, um, even if your regular sessions are an hour, you could do a 30-minute free intro and call it an intake or intake and orientation session. I'll be glad to give that to you without charge. That allays a lot of their anxiety about coming to see you. They can see the inside of your office. They can meet you and greet you and shake hands. And I always like to have a little hot tea available for people or a you know, David Letterman would say a cold, tasty beverage. Uh, make it comfortable. Again, I was doing uh, uh, hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming as an approach to emotional intelligence and, and personal development, and I always tried to arrange my office as if it were a real comfortable, cozy little den or living room kind of set. Uh, if you're a body worker, you're going to need a table. And so you uh, set it up in that way. And uh, look at other people in the field and see what they're doing and, and how they create a sense of safety and warmth. How your office appears is, uh, is as important as what you provide in the way of services to those who come into the office. But I think it's a good idea to do a free intro, even over the phone. You could say, I do free phone intros that save you a trip into the office. And we'll do a little intake and some orientation. You can tell me what you're looking for. I'll tell you whether I think I can help you out, and it won't cost you a thing. And then 
you can tell me what you think. It's a very good line. Then you can tell me what you think, right? No hard sell, no hard close. None of you got to do this, or horrible things will happen to you. <laughs> you know, soft close. You've done your presentation. You've asked them, how do you think I might be able to help you, right? Or what kind of benefit are you looking for? Then you tell them just exactly what you think you might be able to do for them, okay? And then say, so how's that sound? Or if they're a visual, how does that look to you, right? Or simply, so what do you think, right? Very easy, very simple. Now, a question often comes up from my students when I was doing my school for hypnotherapists in Los Angeles. Well, what about advertising? Um, advertising is a risky business. It's expensive. Uh, it's cold rather than hot. And uh, the ROI, the return on your investment, is rarely positive. It's often negative. Sometimes you just have to take the hit. Uh, I, for example, I know some people in the business that still, uh, the personal development, spiritual development, healthcare, life coach kind of business, that still do Yellow Pages ads. I don't know. They say they get business out of it. I, I don't know why. I haven't opened a, a telephone book in 15 years. Um, my God, if I want to order a pizza, I go to Google, right? I, I I don't know why people are still buying telephone book ads. They usually don't work. Um, whether it's a display ad or maybe you just pay them a few bucks to have uh, your the name of your business printed in bold face. But I'm not sure that you're going to do very well with uh, phone book advertising, or uh, anything along those lines. Sometimes people will call you or uh, e uh, email you or, or send you postal mail saying, here's a chance for you to get into this particular directory, a healthcare services directory. Or those, again, those things rarely have benefit, right? Um, a website, on the other hand, has become rather imperative. And they don't have to cost a lot of money. You can do a simple website um, and have it hosted for next to nothing, $20, $30, $40 a month. Ask around. Check websites like GoDaddy that do free hosting and free website development. And you'd be surprised what you can put up in terms of just a straightforward, simple, it's almost like an electronic billboard, right? And then have whoever sets up the website for you, or if you have the savvy to do it yourself, try to get your email to represent the website domain. It's one thing for somebody to give you an email address that ends at yahoo.com or at gmail.com, but it doesn't look like you're a professional business person with those kinds of addresses. For example, my website is theagelesswisdom.com, so if I want you to email me, I just say send it to my initials, mb at uh, 
theagelesswisdom.com. I have another domain I don't use much called michaelbenner.com. Right now it's set up to point at the Ageless Wisdom. And so I have an email address, michaelbenner, or mb at michaelbenner.com, you see. So if your business is, uh, um, I don't know, what would be an example of a business name? You are the um, um, White Light Chiropractic Center. Uh, Well, good, you should have the domain, the website, White Light Chiropractic or white light at whitelight.com or at whitelightchiropractic.com and don't be afraid to go into the alternative .net or .tv or there's all kinds of domains out there nonprofits you can look at .org although there's no law or rule that says you have to be .com if you're commercial and must be nonprofit to be dot org. That's sort of the convention, but it's not a law. And as I say, there's dot net, there's dot TV. Um, there's every country has its own domain, and you don't have to even live in that country. Okay, so that's something to consider. I think that's much more important than advertising per se is to create some sort of Internet presence on the web with a simple website and uh, an email address that repeats that domain name, right, so that everything is coordinated and unified. And in that same way, we're going to talk in a few minutes about DBAs. And um, we'll, again, revisit the idea of being really consistent in the way you name your business and identify yourself in that way. Um, Let's see, 800 numbers, that's up to you. Those are still expensive. I had marginal success with an 800 number that I had for many years, um, and it was sort of a clever one, I thought it, it it spelled out new you. I had 805 new you. And I did that for a lot of years. But you have to pay a lot of money, and increasingly telephones are getting so cheap. Uh, even now we have, I think, the majority of people in the United States have flat rate long distance. So increasingly Americans, anyway, are less concerned about paying toll charges And an 800 number doesn't really matter that much, I don't think. In terms of just looking pro or creating an appearance of being professional, like I'll pay for your call, there may be some merit in that. But at the end of the day, nobody's really saving much money, and it's going to cost you uh, some money for every one of those 800 numbers. number of phone calls. And by the way, you still have to have a phone. You get an 800 number from the phone company, that's not a number that rings a phone on your desk. That number points to a phone that's on your desk. All right? So keep that in mind. Special events are always a good idea. Have an open house. Uh, Invite people in. Again, 
uh, serve uh, you know little refreshments and snacks, and maybe all you did was uh, rearrange the furniture and put up some new drapes and hang a different poster on the wall. But it's the reopening of your um, of your business, and you send out uh, postcards or little brochures to people. Or again, if you've developed a nice email list, you can do an email blast. Or, as I said before, I use this website uh, to send greeting cards for pennies uh, to notify people of such things. I think that's a great idea. You can also do street fairs and expos, trade shows and festivals, uh, depending on the nature of your business. Keep your eye peeled and your ear to the ground for those kinds of opportunities and maybe even get together with others in your field um, and and organize an event, a festival, an expo. Beware of the, the fear that many practitioners have that you're in competition with other people that do what you do. If you're a chiropractor, other chiropractors are not your competition, nor are other medical doctors or Reiki experts, or in a movement awareness people. We're all part of a community that needs to be working together to create mental and emotional and physical health care alternatives to the mainstream. And I'm not even going to get into the health care debate that has been raging all summer long here, um, the elephant in the room in all of this is that the medical establishment is only one approach, that we have non-drug, non-surgical alternatives to physical health care, and we have non-drug alternatives to mental and emotional health care. That's what you and I and most of the people listening here represent. Let's work together. Never be afraid of somebody who does what you do, that they're going to take all your business. Everybody, remember what we said at the top, you have something that virtually everybody needs, and most people never get, right? So work together with other women and men in your field. I think that's a very good idea. Join professional organizations uh, from the Chamber of Commerce to um could be a service club like Rotary or Kiwanis or the Lions Club, uh, the Soroptimists, the Optimists, the uh, Women's Professional Organization. Join these clubs and, and, and get involved. I think the Chamber of Commerce, especially in a smaller city, is a real good idea. Uh, I never joined the L.A. Chamber of Commerce. I lived in Glendale for 20 years. So I joined the Blundale Chamber of Commerce, and within a matter of just a couple of years, came to know everybody in the city. Every fireman, every policeman, uh, um, the mayor, the city council, I was on the board of directors at the YMCA, and, and did uh, uh, six years after that on the board of directors at the American Red Cross, uh, all because I decided to get involved in the community and network with other movers and shakers in the community. I think it's a good idea. And if you do join the chamber or these service clubs, get involved. Volunteer for committee work or subcommittee work, task forces, 
and get to know people. See, it's building the friendship and the relationship with other professionals that is going to send you more business than about anything else that you could do. All right. Um, other notes here. I'm saying uh, get to know your city officials. The best advertising is free. Here's another good tip. The best advertising is free. Write your own news releases. Um, you can call them press releases if you send them only to the print media. Don't send a press release to a radio or TV station. They don't have presses. They're called news releases. If you just call them all news releases, you can send them to TV, radio, and print. Print people don't mind. So that's a nice... Uh, Sometimes I slip and I say press release. Well, I really think news release is a good idea. Again, Google Google a template for this if you don't know how to do one or you've never seen a news release. Uh, I know Microsoft Word has a template for news releases in there. Download that template from the Microsoft website. Uh, bring it into your folder and just fill in the blanks. Bang, professional-looking news release. And you send those out, you never know when you're going to snag an interview with the local newspaper, especially your small-town newspaper, okay, or special interest newspapers. Often they're really looking for some kind of information, right, a local angle on the story. If something happens nationally, you know, if I had a small business making weather balloons, and this big story hits about weather balloons and the boy in the balloon who was really hiding in the attic. Boy, I'd, I'd call my local media and say, we got a local angle on weather balloons here, people. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, always looking for, that's the journalist in me, always looking for a local angle to talk about yourself. And that's the best advertising there is. And it doesn't cost a penny. Usually they come to you, and so your event the same way. If you if you organize a festival or an expo or an open house of some sort, notify the media. You know, send an email. I prefer hard mail. In fact, I would do it all. I would send a hard mail news release, an email news release, and follow it up five days later with a phone call saying, this is so-and-so from such-and-such, such, Michael Benner, from Personal Development Strategies, and I'm calling to make sure you got the news release about the big street festival uh, that we're doing. Okay, I'd say hard mail, email, and then follow it up after they've got it with a phone call. And again, create a relationship. Who am I talking to in the newsroom? Right, Radio newsroom, TV newsroom newspaper, magazine, newsroom, get to know the person, get their name, just say, what's your name? What's the best way to get a hold of you in the future? Right? Be friendly with them. Send them a thank you if they do something nice. Hell, send them a thank you even if they don't run the story. Thanks for your consideration of the story. Build the relationship. That's so important in all areas. Build the personal relationship and business will flow from that remember talk shows as well radio talk shows tv talk shows and news programs are often looking for experts and specialists 
create a little flyer, a little brochure, send out a little news release. Let them know that you're available if there's a disaster or an emergency. I did a mailing all over Los Angeles every couple of years saying, in the event of an earthquake or other emergency, here's an expert on stress management, Michael Benner. And as I recall, there was a couple of occasions where I even sent Rolodex cards. I don't know how many people still use Rolodexes, but back in the day, before we were so computerized, it was a pretty good idea. They'd take the Rolodex card out of the envelope and put it right in their Rolodex under emergency. You, you can even label at the top, disaster, emergency, and they put it in the Rolodex. And Every few days they see it in there and they remember, boy, if there's ever some disaster or emergency and people are stressing out, I've got this card, where is this guy, what's his name, let's see. Oh yeah, Michael Benner, stress. he told me he's an expert, right? I'll call him. This is just smart business. This is the kind of stuff that your competition is probably going to overlook. You should have a very good biography of yourself prepared. Uh, I think two bios. You should have a short biography that is no more than three or four sentences for those occasions where somebody wants a very short bio. And then you might want one that's longer. That could be five or six paragraphs, but limited to one page. There's not much use for a biography that goes more than one page. So even the long biography, keep it to one page, printed and not double-spaced, but you know what I'm talking about. Usually line letting is set at 120% of the font. So if you're using a 12-point font, your letting would be 15 points. It's like 1.25 lines instead of one and a half lines or double space. You don't want a double space. Radio copy, if you were to write uh, an ad and you want somebody to read it, you would double space. Otherwise, use um, 1.25 letting. on your news releases and your letters and your other documents really looks pro. Really, you'll be amazed at how a little thing like that will really dress up all of your communication. So have a good bio. Uh, Submit articles about uh, yourself and your latest breakthroughs and what you're doing to the news people. You never know. You might have to do that six, eight, ten times before you get a nibble, but it's worth it. The best advertising is free. Some of you in the field may want to consider supplementing your practice with a product. I noticed over the years that uh, chiropractors have uh, tended to sell more and more products, nutritional products. In the past, nobody ever expected to go into a chiropractor's office and see any kind of product for sale. But The truth of the matter is that people like to take something home with them. Uh, Medical doctors found this out, and the big pharma, when they began advertising prescription drugs, not just over-the-counter, but prescription drugs on TV, they always have that line, ask your doctor about this drug, right? Because you'll need his prescription or 
her prescription to to buy the thing. You can't buy it. So ask your doctor about blah blah blah. And people love that. They if they just visit the doctor and get a checkup and they don't get pills or a shot, most people feel ripped off. Well, the chiropractors began to realize this, and the body workers began to realize this, and the Reiki people and the hypnotists and the mental health workers began to realize this. So if you're smart, I think it's a good idea to find some products that are appropriate. They dovetail nicely into your practice. Um, I would sell stress management devices from... uh, 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 a $3 plastic credit card that acts as a biofeedback device that I would more often than not just give away rather than sell for 4 or $5. I just I could buy them for $250. I'd just buy a few hundred and give them away to people. And um, all the way up to a light and sound machine, brain entrainment machines I've sold for 15 years. And uh, those are usually 250 to $400. And I've sold hundreds of them. And they're very powerful, very effective brain entrainment devices for creating deep states of relaxation. And for those people who were resistant yet needed stress management, I found that this was often a great way to go. I couldn't follow them around all day and and I could give them recordings of me doing relaxation exercises, but often the light and sound machine, the brain entrainment machine was the way to go. So whether it's a device, um, you know, I'm thinking of Dale and Lisa who I worked with in LA, uh, they sold these very cool eye masks that were uh, even scented, as I recall, with lavender, and they were made out of silk, these little beanbag eye masks that you'd lay over your eyes that would make things very dark and make it really easy uh, to get into a nice, deeply relaxed, stress-free level. And, um, you know, it could be uh, uh, a relax-the-back chair or... uh, you know, my chiropractor sold special chairs and, and cushions to support your lower back when you drive the car. And, and so consider products. If, you, if you're providing services and you have no products, consider supplementing your practice with some sort of appropriate uh, product. Okay. Let's talk. Uh, I'm never going to get through this list. Uh, not today. Maybe we'll, we'll do part two next week. Because there's just no way I'm going to get through this whole thing today. I was hoping that I could, but I wanted to save time for your questions. And uh, also a visualization exercise. We like to do a guided imagery in each of these classes. And uh, wrap up by uh, the bottom of the hour, another 30 minutes or so. So maybe we'll just do this again next week. We'll do part two next week because I'm not even... uh, I'm just now halfway done with some of these tips. Uh, one of the biggest concerns that I hear from um, my students and other people who are trying to set up a practice is, 
I can't afford an office. There's no way. I've got maybe three clients a week. Or even if I had ten clients a week, I could never afford my own office. What am I going to do? Well, I think the smartest thing to do that just doesn't occur to a lot of people is approach somebody in a similar field, a parallel field, and ask them if they have a counseling office that you could share. For example, if you're a masseuse or um, uh, a mental health counselor or a hypnotherapist and you know this chiropractor up the street that's got this big suite of offices, right? Well, he or she just might have a little room that you could rent for uh, $20 or $30 an hour, right? Or even less, maybe $10 an hour. It's just sitting open. They're not using it anyway. You say, well, I don't need it 40 hours a week. I only need it for maybe a half a day on Tuesday and a half a day on Thursday. How would that work out for you? And negotiate. It's often in their interest in the most obvious way. They get a little bit of income from it. But also, they you can tell them this, I'll be able to refer some of my people, when appropriate, to you. And hopefully you could return the favor. If there's, you know, somebody coming in for uh, a physical adjustment to the chiropractor, but uh, they're really stressed out, they might need a massage or some relaxation exercises vis-a-vis hypnotherapy and meditation and, and that type of thing. So approach these people, right? independently or, again, through your local chamber of commerce or business alliance. And, uh, again, ask for rates on that. If you go to the chamber and they want $800 a year, say, whoa, wait a minute, I'm just a small business person. I'm a very small clientele. Uh, I'm an independent uh, individual working here, trying to establish a business in the community. Do you have a special rate for people like me? And often they say, oh, yeah, for you it's not 800 it's 85 And you get all the rights and privileges of the people that are paying $800. Just ask. Don't be afraid to ask. And in that same way, ask your clients for referrals. I touched on this briefly earlier in the class today. I'm going to mention it again because it's easy to forget to do this, to overlook it. I know people that have been in practice for years and struggling the whole time and say to them, well, are you asking your satisfied clients for referrals? And they say no. Well, why not? Who better to send you somebody than a happy customer, a satisfied customer? And Again, in that way, I think it's a very good idea to stay in touch with your clients, to send them greeting cards or at the very least postcards or at the very, very least emails even after you've finished the work. Tell your client there's going to be some follow-up. There's going to be some maintenance necessary. Remind them that even professional athletes continue to practice, that nobody gets so good at anything that they can stop the practice. 
and so their need to there's a need for them to come back for maintenance. On the other hand, be sure it's reasonable and affordable. You don't want to burden somebody with, yeah, you're going to need 10 years of intensive therapy twice a week for two hours and probably last eight or 10 years. I mean, <laughs> you'll just scare people off. So find a balance in that regard. Remember to ask your friends and family for referrals. And provide some incentives also, like if you refer a person to me, I'll give you a free session. Or if you refer for every three people you refer to me, I give you a free session, something like that. Uh, or ask them, what could I do for you in exchange for you sending me referrals? And uh, negotiate with them. I think it's a good idea. I also feel strongly in the money-back guarantee. You always want to make your terms clear. Uh, even your cancellation terms have to be made clear in the very first session. Um, those policies should be written down uh, on a piece of paper that you hand to the client. Uh, go over it with the client to make sure they read and they know what is your cancellation policy. Right? They can't just call you 30 minutes before the session and cancel unless it's an emergency. Right? Or what is your policy if they just don't show up? Now, let's say you're a, a chiropractor, um, that might be a 10-minute session. If you're a masseuse, it might be a one-hour session. If you're a hypnotherapist or a mental health counselor, it might be a 90-minute session, and you're sitting on your hands because this person forgot or didn't care or there was no consequence, you're going to have to design a policy and make sure that that is explained. And some people I know even get the client to sign off on that. You give them the policy in duplicate, they sign both copies, they keep one, you keep another, just so we're clear. But having said that, the money-back guarantee, I think, is a good idea. If you're worth your salt at what you do, you ought to be able to provide uh, unconditional money-back guarantee, at least for the last session. I don't think you should set yourself up so that somebody comes to you for a year and then says, well, none of this has helped. I want all my money back. I wouldn't do that. But I always say, you know, if at the end of any session you're not happy, don't pay me. And in my 25 or 30 years of practice, that never happened. I can't remember a time that anybody ever said to me, um, I want money, my money back, or I don't want to pay you today because I wasn't happy. Remember about 30 minutes ago when I spaced out, I was going to tell you a little story and I forgot what it was. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering now what it is, and I'll share this with you, and then we'll save the rest of this for next week. We'll do part two of the business side of personal development. This was not a guy that wanted his money back. This was a guy that that didn't want to pay, even though he admitted that he did benefit from the session. So I told him, look, uh, you admitted that you're benefiting from the session, yet you don't want to pay me. Um, I think you should, since you admitted you benefited from the session and that you got value for it. 
but I'm going to let you skate just because that I'm going to err on that side. I don't want to create any hard feelings. But this client, after sitting with me for almost two hours, an hour and 45 minutes, in an air-conditioned office on a very hot day in Los Angeles, said, I don't think I should have to pay you for this. I said, why? Did you not get value from this? He said, oh, man, you answered every one of my questions. I said, do you think this single initial session is going to help you in the future? He said, no question about it. But because it has spiritual overtones, I think I should not have to pay. I said, I don't understand that. He said, well, anything that's spiritual ought to be free. He said, church is free. They don't charge you. Well, I certainly remember them passing the collection plate, right? And somebody has to pay for the church getting a new roof or, uh, you know, providing expenses and, and covering the basic costs of maintaining the church. So I'm not sure what he was talking about. And I said, look, if you don't want to pay me, that's one thing, but I have rent to pay. Like, you're sitting in this air conditioning for an hour and 45 minutes. I have to pay that electric bill. Um, so even if you think this should all be free, who's going to pay for that? And he didn't say anything. And I said, plus I have rent on the office. This is a building that's made out of material that somebody had to buy. And then somebody had to build this building and, it takes money along the way to do that and even if you don't pay me I have to pay rent I have an electric bill to pay and he was somewhat dumbfounded but he never got off his position that if it's spiritual it ought to be free right well if if that's the way you feel more power to you if you can provide your goods and or your services absolutely free to everybody, more power to you. I really respect that. You know, if you had a million dollars in the bank and your day job, or, or, or maybe your day job supported you well enough that you could do this as an avocation, that's great. More power to you. And even those of you who are doing it for a living, as I said earlier, should be doing some pro bono work. I always did some charity work. And I never offered it. I waited till somebody asked. And they say, I really need this help, and I really am broke. And I really would appreciate it if you could give me some sort of discount or a freebie. And I would do both. But they didn't offer it up front. They didn't initiate the conversation. And yet it was my business. This was my livelihood. This is how I put food on the table and paid for the for rent at home and, and paid for the car and gas and so on and so forth. There's nothing shameful about, certainly about accepting money, and yet because we are in the personal development field and it often has spiritual overtones, you might encounter some of this kind of resistance. And I think it's worth mentioning. It's something to give some thought to and uh, talk to others in your field about Right, to get a better understanding. Okay, um, 
Let's go to questions and comments, and you can either type text on the web page in front of you, or if you're listening live by telephone, you can press star 2 to raise your hand, and I'll unmute just the caller with the hand raised. Press star 2 once to raise your hand. Do it a second time. It goes down. So be aware of how that works for those of you on the telephone. And let's just look through some of the uh, folks that are with us today, and then we'll do our visualization exercise. And part two, yeah, I have a feeling I was going to have a problem getting all this in. I'm about halfway through my bullet points, so we'll do part two of the business side of personal and spiritual development work next week at the same time. In uh, Canova Park, Phil Jaffe is with us today. Hello, Phil. Known Phil for many, many years. Carol Postel in La Habra says hello. She's always with us. Um, yeah, here's somebody helping me with my senior moment, beginning to speak of money in regard to a business of the spiritual nature. And Thank you for that. I did respond to that. And may talk more about that next week if you have other questions comments, let me know, because that can be an issue. There, Some people are just afraid or ashamed to take money. It's like brings up deserving issues, and um, you got to get over that. Money is a wonderful thing. Uh, it's not money that's the root of evil. It's the love of money that's the root of evil. When you and that's not even the right word. It's holding on to money and believing that money in and of itself has value. It's just a piece of paper. And the whole idea is to keep it moving. And again, the first and most important principle of prosperity, I must insist, is what can you give to other people? Plant. Provide. Uh, help and then the prosperity will follow. Put your attention on the money, you're going to mess it up. No question about it. Put your attention on helping people, and you can create some prosperity for yourself by first prospering them, and then they'll send you their friends and so on. Out of Irvine, Robert Fiegel. Aloha, Michael. Uh, this topic could not have come at a better time, as I'm starting my own business and really wanted some guidance and here we are. I think with so many out of work, it's a great time to bring back the local small business concept and start shopping local small business whenever you can find it. And thanks for an excellent class. Have a magical week of peace. Thank you, Robert, and uh, aloha to you. I totally agree. If I have a choice between going to Home Depot or a little Ma and Pa hardware store, even if it's out of the way, I'd rather go to the Ma and Pa hardware store and pay a little bit more even and support them rather than patronize Home Depot who probably put 20 hardware stores in the neighborhood out of business. I, I, I saw that happen in the 90s uh, all over town. Walmart, these big box stores, uh, that's the impact they have. So if we can patronize family-owned businesses, you're supporting your community. 
right? Somebody said that to my wife in May Company the other day, and she said, you should patronize your local merchants here on Maui, and it's May Company. It's like, <laughs> I don't think money spent at May Company in Maui is going to stay in Maui for very long. I think it'll go off to New York pretty quickly. But I thought, well, nice try. And Lorelai Hatch uh, says uh, hello from uh, Tucson, Arizona. She says, sometimes I find it hard working for a big corporate uh, company because uh, they just seem so disconnected from the human factor. Uh, everything's about profits and the bottom line. And I try to make a difference at work by treating people with love and compassion. And I would love to start my own company based on helping the human race, not exploiting it. Uh, this class has inspired me to start working on making that dream a reality. Thanks, Michael. Peace and love to you and Doreen, and thank you, Lorelai. I uh, I hope so. I hope you do. And again, it's not an everything or nothing, and you don't start out by quitting the day job, right? You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna do both initially, and then begin to transition into being self-employed or or independent, starting your own uh, business. It's one of the best things about living in the United States that we can do this. And it's not that difficult. Um, because I only got about halfway through my bullet point list today, we'll, we'll do the rest of this next week. And some of what we'll talk about includes, do I need a license? How do I find out if I need a license? What's the difference between a license and a permit? Do I have to pay taxes? Do I have to pay sales tax? How do I do that? What's a DBA, a business name? How can I get people to write checks to the name of my business instead of me? How do I go to the bank and get that done? And what is this requirement that I publish my DBA in a newspaper and uh, all of this can be very overwhelming and confusing to people, and it's just some of what we'll cover next week as we continue this whole idea. Many of you are very, very skilled at what you do as an avocation, as a hobby, as an interest that for you may be a calling, but you got this other job that you're not really crazy about, like Laurel I was just saying. And you're not sure how to make that transition because you just don't have enough clients. Um, I, I often would have people come to me and say, well, sure, you've got clients, Michael. You have a radio show. Well, that's one of the reasons I had a radio show was to feed my client base. But I would then point out to them that an advantage that they have that I did not have because I had my own radio show, I could get clients, right? But I could not be on other people's radio shows because I was a competitor. And so I would say to them, I can only be on one radio show on my own. You could be on many radio and TV shows. If you get out there and start writing those news releases, find a hook, a good angle, something people are looking for that they really need that you can provide, all right. What Zig Ziglar say? Find a human need and meet it. There's business 101 in a sentence. What do people want and need that they can't seem to find? 
especially with that human touch. You know, another key word is service. Big corporations, that's usually their weakest point. There are some exceptions. Nordstrom's, for example. You go to Nordstrom's, if they don't have what you're looking for, they'll get it. Even if they have to buy it from the competition, and they'll deliver it to your house. And if they can't do that, they'll they'll have a courier bring it to your house. Over-the-top service. And it's benefited them in the long run. You can do the same thing. Where a big corporation is weakest, providing good service, you can excel. Even if the quality of the product is the same, that's what people are looking for. People will always pay for excellence. There'll always Not everybody, but there will always be prosperous people willing to pay for excellence. All right. Let's do our guided imagery exercise, and we'll let you go for the day today. Close your eyes and relax. Get nice and comfortable. Take a slow, deep breath or two or three. And as you exhale, create and sense the feeling of letting go. Two or three nice, slow, deep breaths. And as you exhale, feel a letting go feeling in your body. Imagine yourself softening as if you were a snowman in the spring that was melting, drip, drip, drip. Or I sometimes like to think of myself as if I were like a stick of butter in the sunshine and just slowly softening. Yielding. Feel that in your body from head to toe. Feeling very safe and relaxed as you allow your breathing to find a natural rhythm or cadence. And you turn that over to autopilot and let your body breathe itself. Feeling so safe and so relaxed. And of course, if you haven't already, close your eyes and begin to dream, to daydream, to visualize yourself working your own business. It could be any business I've addressed today, mostly people in the personal and spiritual development field. But maybe you want to have your own little garden shop or a craft shop or some kind of service, um, a little bakery specializing in your mother's homemade fudge. It could be anything. See yourself now in your imagination already doing that. And the feeling you're making it up, well, that's exactly the right feeling. When some voice in the back of your head says to you, well, you're just pretending. Say to yourself, that's exactly what Michael wants me to do, is pretend. It's mental rehearsal. I have to pretend before I tend to do anything. 
Further, as you pretend, as you imagine yourself doing this business, in your mind's eye, give no thought to what it would take to get here. Think only about already doing it, already having it, already being it. Let's say you want to have this really cool little coffee shop. Well, imagine yourself putting the key in the door of your own little coffee shop early in the morning. And as the door opens, a little bell tinkles. And you go inside and you smell the coffee as you begin to brew the first few pots of coffee. And you unwrap the pastries and lay the pastries out. No doubt you'll have some some pastries from a local bakery in your little display case there. Imagine people coming in, new people, and your regulars as well. They say, hi, how are you? Happy to see you. And you've always got a smile for them. And you're always interested. You've always got a few moments to listen to them as if you really cared about them. They're customers of yours. They come to you every day for your products. And you love this. Or imagine your dream is to have a little music store. Same thing. Imagine yourself in the back of the store doing whatever part of the business you love to do the most. And behind you in a practice room, there's a a little boy doing a trumpet lesson. And in another room, a kid learning to play guitar with a teacher. And out in front, people are buying music and guitar strings and, and books and supplies. And you're just as happy as can be because this is your dream. This is what you've always wanted to do. Give no thought as to what it would take to get here. You'll do that when your eyes are open and you're living your life. You'll have plenty of opportunity to think about step A leading to step B, and then I'll do this, and then we'll do that, and that'll take me to this point. But when you do the guided imagery, this kind of visualization, Imagine taking a trip forward in time to a point where you've already established a prosperous business. And the business prospers you because you are prospering your customers with goods and services. They prosper you with this little note of convenience called cash that you might continue to provide these valuable goods and services. And if you're a counselor or a therapist, a life coach or a masseuse, see yourself working. Maybe you just have a little office from home. Maybe everything you do is over the telephone. That's fine. Visualize yourself doing that now. And as you visualize, this goal, this desired outcome, this result in your mind's eye. Move your awareness into your body and feel the satisfaction and the contentment 
This is where the motivation or the drive comes from. Not the idea so much as the feeling behind it. Get emotional. Get excited. Be enthusiastic. I think I could do this. In fact, I know I can do this. If I can conceive it, and I'm doing that now, if I can believe it, and I'm practicing that now, then surely with persistence, I can achieve it. And the only people who would fail would be those who quit. As long as I don't quit, I cannot fail. I just keep getting better and better and better. And I begin and end every day with a visualization just like this. With my eyes closed, deeply relaxed, seeing myself already having, being, and doing the outcome that I aspire to create, to manifest in my life. And when my eyes are open and I'm busy with my daily life and affairs, I'll think about the steps to create that. The action steps necessary to prepare to receive that which I create and magnetize with my conscious awareness for the greater good of all concerned for the greater good of all. And repeat, I can do this. I am doing this now. And finish by allowing your creative imagination and intuition to suggest to you right now one simple little baby step that you can take today or tomorrow to begin to move in that direction. One little baby step that you can do today or tomorrow to begin to move in that direction. And commit to taking that one little baby step. And remember, these programs, the class you heard today is in perpetual replay. You can listen to it again on theagelesswisdom.com or subscribe to the podcast absolutely free and listen to it again and again. This you do not only for you, but for the greater good of all concerned. Keep that in mind. Always lead. Every time you think about yourself in this way, always lead with what can I do for others. A farmer that thinks only about harvesting and never gets around to planting is not going to have very much to harvest. His attention has to be on planting and cultivating and then you'll know when it's time for the harvest some of that crop is sold and some of it is saved and invested as seed crop for the following year you'll do the same thing with your resources some of the income 
that you create. You will spend to create a living for yourself. And some you will reinvest in your business as it grows, providing even greater services and perhaps products as well. For the most important part of your business, your customer, your client. If you can conceive this, and if you can now feel the feeling and believe that it's possible, then you can achieve it. You can do it. Take that baby step today or tomorrow's Monday and begin to initiate it. And be sure to join us next week as we do part two of two parts on the business side of human potential, of counseling, life coaching, therapy, personal development, and empowerment. And with a full heart, and feeling the contentment and the enthusiasm, even the excitement of, you know, I really could do this. Step by step by step, I don't have to take a running leap off a cliff here. I could, I could do this little by little and enjoy all the benefits of self-employment and independence. Bring that affect, that feeling with you gently as you reorient yourself first to the sound of my voice and then to the room around you. As you inhale slowly, filling your lungs again, hold as you peak and as you exhale slowly, Ah, open your eyes now, wide awake, alert, rested, and refreshed, feeling fine. And I might add, oh, feeling rather enthusiastic, maybe even optimistic that you really can do this. It all starts with a dream, King. Every business that exists in the world, from the best ones to the most corrupt, started out as a dream, started out as a good idea, and the best way to make it work is to keep your attention on helping other people. What do I have that other people need or want? What kind of service can I provide that big corporations will never be able to provide? You see, some sort of little niche or niche. All right? And then make it a point to join us next week as we cover part two um, of this uh, two-part series. Um, the business side of the personal development and human potential um, uh, field, right? And you may want to check out that book, The E-Myth, as well, The Entrepreneur Myth. It's called The E-Myth. It came out in 1985. You can probably get a, a copy at the library if you don't want to buy it. It's pretty simple, pretty basic, but a very important idea. Just because you're a skilled technician doesn't mean you're going to be any good in business. So you do have to have some business know-how. The fact that you're having a problem with business, do not let that reflect negatively on your skills as a technician, whatever that happens to be. All right. Hey, thanks so much for being with us by the telephone or by web. And uh, remember, the replays are available. It looks like we're getting far more people listening to the replay 
than coming to the live class, but I think the live class is fun. I like the energy of having you guys here. So while this will always be podcast, you'll always have the opportunity to join us live on the web or by telephone. And again, if you're concerned with long-distance phone rates, you don't have flat long-distance yet, click on the link right above the audio player on the web page in front of you. You see it says primary number, and then it says backup number. Let me get over there and uh, so I can look at it. It'll say, uh, oh, mine's gone. Mine's, mine's disappeared. Anyway, it says primary number. I think it says backup phone number. And then there's a little link right under the conference ID that says other numbers. Look in there. You'll find a number, a local number, uh, that'll prevent you from having to make a toll call. Now, I think most of us have flat rate. It doesn't matter much, but if you're still paying by the minute, click on that link and find a, uh, an area code near you. All right. For example, for my friends in Los Angeles, I have an 818 number. Let me pull that up real quick. An 818 number that works just as well as the 415 if you say, oh, I love Michael's show, but I don't want to call San Francisco every week, well, if you're in L.A., use this one, 818-742-0029, 742-0029 and 818. That'll work just as well. We've got dozens of them all over the country. The important thing is once you dial the number, upon being prompted by the system, you got to enter that conference ID followed by the pound sign. That's what hooks you up to the conference. The number is not so important. Any one of the numbers posted will take you there. I thought I'd mention that. I haven't really explained that before. Again, thanks for being here. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. As Robert always says, a magical week. And that you'll join us next Sunday for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha.